On today's episode of the Direct Podcast, we go through upcoming Super Bowl trailers, a few leaks from the Marvel Studios world, and we review Argyle by Matthew Vaughn. Everything else you need to know about the universes you love right here on the Direct Podcast. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the vengeance. And I am Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, and welcome back to the Direct Podcast, Season 3, Episode 5, coming at you a day late. I'm your host, Matt Rimke, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, co-host, box office correspondent, Atlantean, Mr. David Thompson. David, how we doing? I'm doing great. My head feels fine. Didn't get into any any injuries this Monday. Um, so it's Tuesday, and I'm feeling wonderful pumped for the super bowl um it's one of the best and saddest weeks of the year because sunday evening you know the niners or the chiefs are going to win and it'll be done the nfl season is going to be over our beloved nfl will have to wait until august september 2024 to get back into the swing of things but i'm excited to be here great show lined up today we should probably take our picks right now just so next monday We'll be able to be like, all right, who'd we have? Uh, so who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl, if you had to guess? It's okay if we have the same answer, by the way. I'm, um, I gamble. I, I I do sports betting. That is my life. Um, So on the Super Bowl, yes, bittersweet, for sure. Just because, like, I can't wait for the game. Um, But I'm yeah. going to be sad that football's gone. But also, my workload gets very different. I'm not going to say it gets easier, but it changes a lot. Um, gotcha. Um, so I'm excited for that. But as far as my pick for the game, I, I w- I'm going to be so happy with whoever wins. These are the two best teams that I wanted here. I'm not going to say they're the two best teams in the league throughout the season. They weren't. But right now, these are the two teams I wanted at the end. I'm a huge 49ers fan. I love everybody on that team. Um, I'm a big Brock Purdy guy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey I had in a dynasty league for like four or five years. So that's like my ride or die homie. Um, great person to have. Yeah. The best. I will not bet against Patrick Mahomes. I can't do it. I won't. Um, the spread is where I would bet against Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like if, if the chiefs were favored by four or more points, I would probably entertain uh Niners, you know, gamble here, but no plus two plus two and a half Patrick Mahomes as a dog. Give me the chiefs betting. It, and it's one of those things. And for those who gamble, they'll understand. It's not even so much I am I'm less confident the Chiefs will win more so. I could not live with myself if I bet against Patrick Mahomes and he beat me again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to be the one sitting there with his hands up in the air thinking how did Mahomes do it again? Well, how did he break my heart? No. I'm going to I'm going to ride that guy. Yeah. Because I love that team and I love Andy Reid and yeah, give me the Chiefs all day every day. Um, my my interesting thing, Isaiah Pacheco. I might not play fantasy football ever again. This is my first year off. I very much enjoyed it. My very last ever fantasy football pick in a rookie draft was Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> in the third round. Give me Pacheco for the MVP. Um, wow. And in his over rushing yards, please. Um, wow. Those are my. Those are my picks. MVP. That's got that's got to have Long some pretty good odds on it. Plus yeah. plus thirty five hundred. You know yeah. I mean, it's it's way out there. You know, I threw five bucks on it, but I mean, that's 
Right. That'll be a fun five dollars if it happens. His For overarching sure. yards, I put substantially more money on. To that effect, I I have the Chiefs as well winning. And the main reason I do is because the Chiefs are winning in a different way, these playoffs. They're not going crazy offensively. It's not this like arsenal they have on offense. Like Kelsey shows up for the first half, looks awesome. I mean, last week they didn't score a point in the second half, but mm-hmm. they're just able to get it done. And I also think the Chiefs defense is being a little bit overlooked. Honestly, it's going to be a lot more exciting, in my opinion, when the Niners have the ball because they have all the weapons and the Chiefs have all these awesome defensive players. And that side's going to be very interesting. On the other side, though, that's where the advantage lies. I think Patrick Mahomes is just playing at a whole different level. Even if his numbers, like his stats, aren't like anything crazy, he makes zero mistakes. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. I could see Purdy making a mistake just because he's young. He hasn't been here before. Like the last couple of games, it took him a half to kind of get rolling on and on and on. So I'm with you. So whoever out there is taking the Niners next week, if the Niners do win, congratulations to you because me and Matt both have the Chiefs. Again, though, if the Niners win, I'm going to be stoked. Brock Purdy's a dog, dude. He's a dog. I don't understand it because, like, yes, he, he gets off to slow starts every now and again. It's his second year in the league. That very well could be what buries this team, especially with the way the Chiefs have been closing games lately. But yeah. when Brock Purdy is making second-half plays, he isn't just, like, completing the passes. He isn't just converting third and eleven. We're talking on the run. We're talking dimes on the sideline, getting popped in the face, hitting Debo downfield. Like he is making big plays in the second half. And with yeah. McCaffrey being able to score anywhere within striking distance, like 60 yards and in, McCaffrey's a threat to at least get you in the red zone, if not score. That it's gonna be so much fun. I'm so I do excited. have I do have one little fun prediction. I think whoever's winning at halftime loses the game. I think whoever in the second half is down, starts down, will come back and win the game. Because I like the they Niners have the and the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. I like both of them to come back and win the game. I, if I could push back on that, just this Chiefs defense is for real. Like, yeah. this is the best defense Patrick Mahomes ever had. This is one of the best defenses in the league. This might be the best defense in, we've seen in the Super Bowl in quite some time. Like, the Eagles defense last year was obviously phenomenal but yeah. Patrick Mahomes ripped them apart you know what I mean like it's it's gonna be a very interesting bet we have going over at the action network is Chiefs first half money line second half under the idea being if the Chiefs have the lead at halftime they will bleed this game I like, like that. They, didn't, they didn't score a point in the second half their time of possession was off the charts yeah week you know what i mean like mahomes has learned how to do what everybody hates brock purdy for be a game manager work the clock work the kelsey five yard out work the pacheco up the middle draw chiefs first half second half under it's a very fun bet i I, I like that i could get behind that in a very big way i like um we are coming to you here on a tuesday reason being is the storms in california knocked my power out yesterday and uh we were unable to record this podcast because i was in the san jose community college library doing all my work i'll tell you (laughs) what shout out to the great people at the san jose community college because that library is awesome there are plugs everywhere to plug in all my shit the student center is right across the street where you grab a snack felt very good being back at a college campus yesterday not a lot of work done not a lot of work done it was nice 
Um, I, I I felt like it was finals a little bit, you know, just being back in that environment. Right. Um, very funny. But uh, yeah, so that's why we're coming here on Tuesday. The yeah. Grammys happened this weekend. Some news happened this weekend. And uh, we're going to review a movie. But real quick, before we get into everything you need to know about the universes you love, that's exactly what we do here on this podcast. We cover the universes you love. Obviously, we review many different shows and movies. We're going to review Argyle today, not a part of a greater movie universe yet or is it (laughs) um but uh (laughs) franchises blockbusters ip that's the things those are the things that me and david love the most and uh over the weekend we lost a legend in the blockbuster game one of the most impactful faces in movie history carl weathers um passed away over the weekend r.i.p in peace carl weathers obviously rocky predator Happy Gilmore, Star Wars. He is everywhere across the movie history and just a legend in the game. Apollo Creed, one of the greatest characters of all time. I don't think there's any doubting that. If we were making a top 50 movie characters ever, Apollo Creed is definitely in the conversation. Um, uh, David, your thoughts on Carl Weathers, a a force in this business and, uh, you know, tough loss for the blockbuster game. Yeah. Definitely a tough loss. Obviously, Apollo, an iconic character in pop culture, American cinema, just all time right there. And what a legacy. I mean, he brought so much physically. His voice was so recognizable. He had one of those just like voices, faces, presence that you always knew. I enjoyed him as, um, what was he, Grief Karga in mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Um, cool Mando. character. Yeah, Mando. See, the voice. It's It's so yeah. great. Um, something I didn't know before he passed away, he played in the NFL yep. for a couple of years and I'm like, holy shit, could he get any cooler? Could he possibly get any cooler? And then he did. Um, so yeah, rest in peace, uh, thoughts and feelings out for his family, of course. Um, but what a legacy that he left on all of us on pop culture, on Hollywood, um, just seemingly a wonderful man and had some just wonderful, iconic performances throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, I uh, when did Creed three come out last year? Yeah, last year we reviewed it almost right a year now. ago, almost a year ago today. Um, that's I I had seen the first Rocky when I was a kid, but you know it's a very slow, boring movie uh, for a child. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Um, and I had seen uh, Rocky four, right? I must break you that one. Mm-hmm. Is that four? I had I seen so. those like in my childhood, but like you know, didn't really rewatch them in middle school when everybody becomes a film buff or anything like that. And uh, rewatching the entire Rocky franchise leading up to Creed three. This Carl Weathers was somebody I was, excuse me. I apologize. I was not familiar with your game. Like what an unbelievable screen presence he is um, in every single Rocky movie. But that first Rocky, when he is Muhammad Ali and he is the champ and he is looking for Rocky to fight him. You know what I mean? Like he is looking for the Philadelphia kid, 1976, you know, the whole thing. The way he says stallion at the end of every single sentence, like that wasn't written. Like there's no way sure. Balboa wrote that into the script. That is a Carl Weathersism that is it makes that movie so goddamn good. Like his presence in that movie alone makes it one of the best movies of all time, along with obviously Stallone being perfect. 
And but for Stallone and Weathers to go off each other the way they did for those four movies, not to mention everything he did with Arnie, not to mention everything he did with Mando. Like we will we have never reviewed an episode of The Mandalorian where I haven't said Mando because it's so perfect. Like like that first episode of The Mandalorian, you see Carl Weathers Mando and it's yeah, it's it's iconic. It really is like four years later. It is iconic. And it's awesome. It really. But to like a sneaky one, like where Carl Weathers was most present in my life. Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Mm, it's all yeah. in the hips, the wooden hand, everything he did in Happy Gilmore. Like what an iconic character. So he's so funny. He's so great at the blockbuster thing. He's enormous. He's just fucking. Mm, just Presence about him. Yeah. Out of his mind. Big in those Rocky movies and also shout out the little robot. He has uh, carrying his cape in the Mandalorian. Remember that <laughs> yes. the, the, he had three robots holding each quarter of the cape as he went along. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Carl Weathers, just one of the greatest blockbuster actors to ever do it. Um, so, you know, we'll be missed and we'll be talked about more as we go on in our lives, because there are so many people yeah. Who try to emulate Carl Weathers. So with that, let's get in let's get into everything you need to know about the universe. All right, everybody, everything you need to know about the universe you love. Next week, the Super Bowl and we just talked about the game. We're very excited. It's a great matchup. We're, we, it's all I can think about, David. It's, it really is. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think about. Um, but along with the game, obviously, is the other half of the Super Bowl, which is the commercials, the halftime show, the pregame, everything that comes with it. And with those commercials, oftentimes comes trailers from the universes you love. Thank you to yeah. the great people at Discussing Films for having their official list of expected trailers for the Super Bowl. These are movies. Uh, we'll talk about series here in a minute, but um, the expected movie trailers that we will get at the Super Bowl, most of, if not all, first looks uh, at these movies. I think we've had teasers for a handful of them, but um, here we go. Wicked, the uh, upcoming Wicked musical film with Ariana Grande, which is very exciting. Twisters, the reboot with Glenn Powell. Mm-hmm. Knuckles, the spinoff Sonic movie, if I'm not mistaken. Series, I think. Series. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the Sonic game, but this is a Paramount Plus series, I believe, like a spinoff. Fun. I like Paramount Plus. Yeah. CBS. Yeah. Tony Romo. Survivor. It's our arch survivor every week. I'll watch the game with the sound off, I think. Why not? <laughs> Super Bowl? Tony Romo, man. I can't. I can't fucking do it. Like, are you excited so for that? I, I love Romo. Are you excited for uh I just think he's he's like a little kid. Are you excited for Brady next year? Of course. I'm I'm incredibly excited for Brady. The more we get that person talking into a microphone, the better we're all gonna be. Um I need Greg Olson once a week though. He's gotta I, be he's gotta go Thursday, I think. He's gotta go to Thursday night. I, I don't want to lose Herb Street though. <laughs> I'm down for Kurt. losing Herb Street. Oh he's what? a college he's guy. Been- Nobody's so good on Thursday. Ah, uh, I don't agree. Him He's and okay. Al, come on, him and Al shaking it up out there. <laughs> I love Al. Al's an icon. I don't think I never Herb, Street, Herb Street's spread too thin. They get Olsen on Thursday night, and that's money. If there's any color guy who could also do play by play, it would be Kirk Herbstreit, though. No, he's yeah, no, he's good. 
If anybody could do that, I think it'd be Kirk. Honestly, if I had all my druthers, we would get Al and Chris back together and we get Mike Tirico and Olsen on a call somewhere. Yeah. I think they, they are so just like, I think they would be perfect together. Greg Olsen's so good. He's, he's awesome. so good. He's awesome. It sucks that he's going to lose his job to Tom Brady, but but, what he, gonna... but he can't go back down to Group B at Fox. He's got to go somewhere else to go. Though. There's nowhere else to go right now. That's what sucks. Oh, I don't know. Thursday. I'm telling you, Thursday night. We'll see. <laughs> um, Third chair. I no no. I, that's what I don't want. I don't want any three chairs on prime time. Get that Al, out Al of my only face. does like half the games. You know the dream is get rid of Romo and put Olsen in with Jim Nance. <laughs> I like Romo. There's something about him that you like Romo. Um, we'll <laughs> talk about that more. Uh, yeah. Movie trailers we can expect during the Super Bowl. <laughs> one more week of this. Wicked, Twisters, Knuckles, Deadpool three. That's the big one. Inside Out two, A Quiet Place day one. Uh, Niango. Joseph Quinn and was it Murphy? I forget. Okay. Um, and then Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. We've seen the teaser. I think we're expecting a full trailer here. David, obviously Deadpool 3 is the talk of the town right now. Which of these trailers are you most excited for? Easily Deadpool 3. I mean, this would be our first look at Deadpool with Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, and it could just be. It could take over the evening for people in our space for sure, uh, depending upon what they show us. And I think they, I think they need it. I think they need to do this on Super Bowl Sunday because they need to regenerate some MCU excitement, especially with there only being the one Marvel movie this year, the one Marvel Studios movie releasing this year. Um, I mean, I, I honestly would be interested to see Twisters, uh, Glenn Powell, David Corns, what's in it, by the way, in a minor role. If you didn't know, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I I love how handsome David Corrin's one is. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if putting him in a movie with Glenn Powell is going to do any favors for that. I mean, yeah, one person in there that steals scenes. <laughs> I don't I don't know Corrin Sweat's role in it. I think he's like in a really minor role, which is kind they of filmed funny. this forever ago, right? Yeah, and I think there's actually recently some reshoots. So Twisters in general is kind of a random one. So that would be probably my number two, just to kind of see what it is, what it looks like. See Glenn Powell. Have you seen Twisters? Yeah, have you seen yeah. Twister? I have. Fantastic movie. Just really great, awesome, like Saturday afternoon TV movie. Right. Twister. I haven't seen him forever. Yeah. All time yeah. DVR movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. What, what would be yours? I'm also cool? excited for Twisters just because I love Glenn Powell. I think Wicked's going to be really cool just because Ariana has that that kind of voice. You know what I mean? She's got the Celine thing. I don't know anything about Wicked, but um. I do know like two songs and they're both great. So we'll see any sort of wizard of Oz lore. I think could be really cool. Um, on a, in, in a film, obviously this is like one of the most beloved plays of all time. Also yeah. shout out to Tom Holland doing Romeo and Juliet over at West end. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, no Deadpool three, this is warning for everybody out there. This is going to be the start of a very annoying stretch for your boy. Like, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be out of my mind when this trailer drops. Like, it's going this is I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is my Snyder cut. This is my no way home. This is my second end game. Like, this is everything I've ever wanted. X-Men in your fucking face. But through the lens of Deadpool, literally looking right at the camera, telling us all why the MCU is going to be OK. 
you said they need it. They need drop this trailer. The timing is kind of perfect, right? We come, oh, we're coming yeah. off Echo, which was like a surprising win for a lot of people. You know, like it didn't break the internet or anything, but a lot of people loved Echo that didn't expect to. Um, we it's been a minute. It's died down. MCU's kind of quiet right now outside of behind the scenes stuff. Um, a Super Bowl ad obviously is going to it's going to hit like a most viewed thing on YouTube. I'm sure it's going to be up there. Um, as far as like most viewed trailers in X amount of time. Um, yeah. and then the promotional campaign between now and July, we got a Comic Con in there. March Madness is going to be a lot of TV time, especially in the Final Four. A lot of great promotional opportunities between now and July, and the timing of it really seems like kicking it off on the Super Bowl feels like a great tee up for a home run promo campaign, which I'm very excited about. I agree. Um, I think we'll get it. I think it's going to be footage that they just maybe didn't recently shoot, but they shot half the movie before the strikes started, the, the actor strike. So they've been sitting on footage they could have edited, ready to rock and roll for a long time. One thing on Wicked part, and this is part one, by the way, there's going to be part one, part two. Um, I don't know anything about Wicked. Only reason I know a little bit about it, I've never seen the play. This is a sneaky, could be massive box office hit. Where oh, yeah. it's it's one of those where no one really knows, and this trailer could be the start of it. Where if the engagement is off off the chain for this, then it's like, oh wow, maybe Wicked is going to be one of those massive movies hitting theaters. By the way, quick shout out, Inside Out Two. Um, that's gonna be a big one. If it if that one drops. Seeing more of the emotions, getting more of that plot. There's already been a trailer out, like a little short teaser. So mm -hmm. this could even be more in-depth. This could be 60 seconds, 90 seconds even. Um, this could be one of Disney's biggest plays at the Super Bowl. We're thinking Bs with Inside Out 2, I think. I think we're in we're in the B area with that kind of movie. Because Inside Billion, like Inside Out is so beloved. Like yeah. it's I mean, it's an incredible movie. And what a great sequel concept. Let's just add more puberty emotions like yeah, the kid perfect. grows up like, right yeah it's it, it is a perfect sequel to a perfect concept what if your feelings had feelings come on it's, it's just good stuff it's and, and more ab polar of the world never a bad thing that's true do you have any mutant predictions for deadpool 3 in the trailer yeah i don't think we get anything besides wolverine or, or fantastic fours or no you know, maybe i don't uh, Affleck or oh, I think I think this first Super Bowl trailer is going to end on Wolverine. Yeah, I, I think it is like, let's show him in the I think it, we get a masked Hugh Jackman, though. It is him in the Wolverine mask. And we're going to get a hint at the plot. The plot has been super unknown and unclear since day zero. And getting an idea of what this movie's actually about will be very key. So that's my second question. Do we get a, a third wall break here? Like, is it going to be Reynolds talking at us? Yeah, I think I think it starts with that. That's I think it, I think it starts. Well, the movie could start with this, but I think in a way it could start with him fidgeting around with um, what Josh Brolin, what's his um character? Uh, cable. Cable's uh, time travel like machine, and then it mm -hmm. that's how it springs into whatever. Right. Hell, the, the <laughs> it wouldn't be hilarious if the trailer opens with him shooting Ryan Reynolds in the back, reading the Green Lantern script, and then just jumps to something. Yeah, <laughs> that so be so, so awesome. now that we've gotten that taken care of, what else do we have to do? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I think we, um, we got to get something. We got to get something that is, you know, stereotypical or iconic at this point, like Deadpool-isms, you know, like breaking right. that, that fourth wall. But also, we got to keep in mind the MCU multiversal of it all. Like, 
we could get a sacred timeline pop. We could get a Loki, you know, be a Loki, yeah. here. Like, like we could very much get a multiversal, TVA. like that. That's a TVA. Oh, Owen Wilson could very much be in this trailer. Right. You know what I mean? Like it could be Reynolds and Olsen for a lot of it. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen I mean, Wilson. For a lot of it. Yeah. If I'm K Jensen shows up, I'm going to lose my butt. <laughs> like, uh, it's very I think, exciting. It's I do very think- exciting. I do think that the voiceover and the shots we get will lead to a Wolverine shot at the end. And that's going to be the money shot. Snick it. Very exciting. Oh, man, that could be so awesome. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. So excited, dude. <laughs> and then you just hear the. So... Stop. Stop it. <laughs> My poor wife. <laughs> My and, then, poor wife. <laughs> and then Tony Romo is back. All right, Jim. Oh, I don't know. That seems like it's gonna. Okay. Um, the past three Super Bowls I've watched with friends in Colorado, big parties. Not kidding. The the one of the greatest trailers of all time, the Disney Plus triple trailer with WandaVision, yes. Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. I told everybody to shut up. Like, like I was like, guys, quiet. Like this is this is happening. I don't know anybody here very well. Can we please watch this? The fact that I get to watch this with just uh, me and Aaron is going to be. I'm really losing my mind. Uh, speaking of Deadpool three, new Deadpool three logo at the Saturn Awards. I need to look into the Saturn Awards a little bit, David. They have a best superhero movie award. Yeah. What is the Saturn Awards? Because that could be something I could be very interested in. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't. Honestly, I'm not too familiar. Um, I didn't really know that it was happening until this news came out, you know, with Foggy out on stage. It's kind of funny. He was getting it for James Gunn. Um, yeah. James Gunn noted on threads, uh, the social media platform, that he wasn't there because he is knee deep in legacy set up in Georgia, uh, yeah. here where I live, actually. So that was pretty cool to see. Logo looks awesome. I think yeah. it's in many ways confirmation that mask is coming, which I think will be I think we'll, we will definitely, not definitely, but I just on what we were talking about, I think that will be solidified with this new trailer coming out, hopefully on Sunday. He's never worn it. 20 nope. years. 20 years. Never that's the whole point his. of this. That's that's the whole it's point so, of him coming it's back. It's so amazing. Like, like if Twitter was around in the early 2000s, we would have been calling for the mask for 20 years. Like, yeah. it's insane. I'm so excited. Um gonna skip the daredevil uh suit news i feel like we've talked about uh, the behind the scenes stuff um other marvel news uh jeremy renner paul bettany and josh berlin over the past week have had quotes about returning to the mcu that's very cool uh jeremy renner his was more surrounded about his health he is now healthy enough to get back out there shout Ready. out for being a real superhero um i'm good coach i'm good yeah yeah put me in <laughs> limping um, <laughs> he literally like saved somebody from a tractor like it's insane um, yeah it was like a snowplow wasn't it yeah <sighs> what a dog dude he's awesome uh paul bettany he said of course vision's coming back in some way shape or form cool thing about vision you can do that 18 different ways uh white vision is out there and josh berlin said you know whenever uh he, he thinks that it's coming soon whenever they need him to do thanos he's down he voices what if so he very well could be talking about that um, but Secret Wars is coming. Thanos is on the table for sure. Thanos versus Doctor Doom would be it, it would be the Thanos Stark fight if it went the other way. Like it. Mm. Uh any thoughts on Renner, Bettany, or Brolin? Which one do you think we see first? Man, that is like an excellent question. 
not counting Brolin voice acting, not not counting voice acting at all. Let's just say that. I want to say Paul Bettany. Yeah. Um, with a like one B would be Jeremy Renner because I could see. I mean, we just saw Kate Bishop at the end of the Marvels. Um, and Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye, so there's a possibility there. Um, Paul Bettany, there was initially supposed to be a Vision Quest series that seems to be not happening at Disney Plus. Um, maybe that's still a possibility. I'm not entirely sure, but I do think they have plans. And and White Vision is still out there. Like there, there is a version of Vision they have to get back to. Maybe in Armor Wars, whenever that releases, if that ever gets made. Um, but yeah, I guess I would say Bettany is the odds-on favorite. I would agree. I would agree. Can't wait to see Jeremy Renner back, though. Like the whole Hawkeye thing, I'm big fan of. You know what else I'm big fan of, David? Getting things right. Ladies and gentlemen, Millie Alcock, Supergirl. And me and David have been on that table for about a month and a half now. She was on a long list a while back, and I think we both pointed her out. When she got to the short list, she was our pick. Millie Alcock is Supergirl. We broke it on last week's episode uh, in the middle of our draft, I'm pretty sure. It was at the very end very of the end, draft. Right. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, just an- another quick reaction. Millie Alcock, obviously, breakout performance in Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, uh, now gets her blockbuster debut. Uh, could be huge. Could be very big for an incredibly young actress. I think it's awesome. I think she's going to kill it. So cool to hear James Gunn or read that James Gunn uh posted basically saying like she was who i had you know in mind since watching house of dragon like i i pointed it out to peter safran his you know co-lead over at dc studios and it's incredible to hear just how that process went and how she was she ultimately was decided and i I think she even got to wear the costume um as part of the audition which is really cool or you know a costume also there's been confirmation a couple of things this is very big news she's going to be in superman legacy not only that, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is expected to begin production in the fall. So this could be our second DC Universe under James Gunn movie. They have a writer and now they're looking for a director. And I think that director, the news about whoever's going to be directing, first off, massive slot open right now. Um, it's really, really big. I imagine they are going to look for a woman director just because, you know, the writer's a woman. It's Supergirl after all. Um, so maybe, maybe not. Think of some ideas in your head, obviously. Everyone's floating out. Um, Greta Gerwig is yeah. a big one. Yeah, um, I mean, she's got Narnia. <laughs> I think she's got Narnia that could hold her up. Um, is it Kate Heron um, uh-huh. from Loki? Loki. Oh, yeah, um, friend of the show. Yeah, so, and, and she could be a, a different option. In general, though, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like, they are, they are definitely not shying away from Supergirl in this universe. And she's going to be a really big deal. And I can't wait to see what she does in Legacy and obviously beyond that. Um, but yeah, I think Millie Alcock awesome. And what a cool, like you mentioned, like transition. She was in a Game of Thrones Thrones spinoff, was incredible in that, and now could like be leading possibly this new generation of DC movies. And I think she's going to kill it. I think she's going to be awesome, especially based on everything that Gunn has said about this version of Supergirl. And I actually picked up um, the comic, so I'm going to read that soon and actually kind of get an idea of what this version actually is going to be like. It's great. Yeah, it's exciting. You know who would be a great pick five years ago? Hmm. Patty Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She it sucks, but... <laughs> I mean, five years ago, she'd already done Wonder Woman, so... I mean, and she was great. Uh, yeah, uh, Wonder Woman 1 is, is very good. Still one of the greatest teasers of all time. Never got to see it happen. 
Give me my pod racing show. Uh, I, I do love the <laughs> idea of uh, H, uh, Warner Brothers using HBO or Max or whatever as like a uh, like a training or a what do you call it? My like a minor leagues for their movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you know, sharpen your teeth a little bit here on Max, and then we'll give you a big Warner Brothers show. It's very That's exciting. Fine. I like um, that. More Superman legacy news. That was obviously Supergirl, but obviously. Superman Legacy, I'm going to say obviously a few more times. John Murphy will be composing Superman Legacy. Who is John Murphy, you may be asking. He is a James Gunn guy, uh, especially since he left Marvel Studios. John Murphy composed the Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Tyler Bates was the James Gunn guy for Guardians 1 and 2. When uh, the shift for Marvel Studios happened, Tyler Bates started jumping on other stuff. John Murphy seems to be... Uh, the next up for James Gunn moving forward. He also composed Kick-Ass, a movie we'll talk about more later. Um, David, obviously the score is going to be huge here with Superman Legacy. In my opinion, it's the best part of Man of Steel. The Superman theme, the Richard Donner Superman theme, I think is top five uh, superhero themes of all time. Uh, it's going to be big, big shoes to fill. What are your thoughts on John Murphy taking it on? Obviously, James Gunn keeping his staff uh, in-house, as he often does. Yeah, I mean, the move isn't too surprising, but wow, does he have some big shoes to fill. I think Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel um, score is fantastic. I absolutely love that score. And the fact that it's not in any way John Williams, you know, the Richard Donner version of Superman's score, which is so iconic as Perfect. many John Williams scores are these days. Um, but I I think if it were if it were to lean one way or the other in terms of the kind of OG Superman score or the Man of Steel score, I think it's going to lean more into that original, you know, John Williams-esque score. I From do this. hope that the, because I'll be honest, one thing like when I think of Guardians 3, the Suicide Squad, the score isn't the first thing I think about, which is okay. I love both those movies. But I think for a Superman movie, you need to walk out of that theater being like, wow, the movie, the music was awesome. Like that, that I felt the music. I felt like I was flying. I felt like I was saving someone. So really big shoes to fill. James Gunn did mention really cool little detail. He's already been working on this for months and they're going to be playing some of the music on set, which I love the idea of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's always such a cool thing when you get the behind the scenes on like when they're actually like pumping in music so you can kind of know how it's going to uh, feel and sound like for the audience members. Um, so I have all the faith in the world in James Gunn. I just hope that the score isn't overshadowed by the rest of the movie, if that makes sense. And I hope it is, by the end of the day, an iconic score, which I'm not sure John Murphy has done yet in his career. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I, I would need to listen back to the score on Suicide Squad again. I don't I, there's no obviously like identifiable theme there, but um, yeah. at least off the top of my head. But I think I thought it was the music was good. I don't remember it. So exactly you know, that, that kind of says what it is. Uh, with Guardians, he obviously picked up an iconic Tyler Bates theme. And uh, one of my biggest critiques in Guardians Volume 3 was that the theme wasn't used enough. That right? he used it enough. Yeah. It was used. Know. It was used the one time it was used in a hero shot perfectly with Rocket, obviously, getting back into action for the first time in the whole movie. That's when you bring in the theme. Love that. But, um, I mean, you're being added to a list with John Williams and Hans Zimmer. Like, this is this is big for John Murphy. But... Trust gun, right? A hundred percent. 
in that though, Gun leans more into licensed music. You know, like sure, sure. the score isn't uh, memorable from Guardians Three. You know, it is <laughs> all the songs yeah. that are actually Creep. Guardians Three. Um, yeah. so anyway, it's just it'll be interesting to see, and this goes along with the whole. I think the biggest um, trepidation we should all have with Legacy is James Gunn doing a Superman movie. What does that actually look like? You know, because it is it is interesting. He isn't. He normally does not do the one a most popular character and obviously this is just the the score the composer but it is going to be fascinating to see kind of what this truly looks like now that he's playing with one of the most if not the most iconic superhero of all time he you know he's not a an underdog he's not a c-list d-list character that no one knows about it's superman and i'm curious how that reflects you know in this score and how much licensed music like he normally does that he uses in Superman Legacy. I want to stick on this for one more beat because I I completely agree with everything you just said. It's it's the that's the most interesting part of this moving forward. But I do think what James Gunn brings to the table, what he does best, is he identifies the things about characters that will play the best in a movie, like having those D-list characters, Suicide Squad, Guardians. And picking the small things about each character that he then extrapolates out and makes those characters so lovable and endearing and hated sometimes. No one knows what makes a character more than James Gunn in the comic book space. I don't think so. I don't think anybody does characters and character dynamics as well as James Gunn. I would say that's been the biggest Superman issue in the Henry Cavill, uh, Zack Snyder era was, you know, having that identifiable characteristic to him. Like it's, it's, Mm. it's the things around him all work, but like what makes Clark Kent and what makes Superman the character that we love. I think that's just, that stuff has taken a backseat to the production and the aesthetic and the, the just tone of Superman, Yeah, uh, which, you know, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I anticipate a lot of Sam Raimi versus um, John Watts, Spider-Man comparisons here where 100 percent yes i think there's a lot of things there are so many things that the john watts spider-man do well so much better than the raimi spider-man but the people who stand on the table for the raimi spider-man they point to the production the music um you know those types of uh artificial is not the right word but it's not the wrong word those those more production forward things look how much better they were in the raimi movies than the john watts movies i can see a lot of that coming from the snyder superman to the james gunn superman well, and I think one other comparison I'm going to make here, and that's a great, I, even before you mentioned Spider-Man, I had this lined up. Zack Snyder, Man of Steel. That movie is about what does it mean if Superman were real? What does it mean if this godlike being came down to Earth? So it's less about the character, more about the symbol. Same with Raimi. What if Spider-Man were real? And he's the only hero in that universe. What if he's? What if he is this guy who lives his double life? and is like what does it mean to be spider-man and then with watts it's more in a way about peter and he's just he's already in this giant world superman in this movie is already going to be in this giant world so that kind of gives you more runway to dig deeper into just the character because it's less symbolic of what it means to to the world for this character or hero to exist but things like the score do take a back seat a little bit when the character is in such the forefront, which 
I think a lot of people are going to point at be like, well, look how great the score was here. Why wasn't it great here? Because we're focusing more on the character, which in a perfect world, it's perfectly balanced. It's Guardians 1, where the like yeah. score in Guardians 1 is fucking iconic. But so is the soundtrack and the characters. Not like that's what makes it a top 10 comic book movie in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Um, if we can get Guardians 1 magic in this movie, I think we're going to be in for a real treat. I think hey, a real man. treat, man. The, 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 the cast, everything about it, gun being involved that the fact that it's going to have a soundtrack yeah superman is going <laughs> to have on. a soundtrack is so exciting um what's going to be the superman song you know what i mean what's going to be the come and get your love of this song like how oh. does ah uh, just how that movie opens i think i'm already so interested in like how do you yeah. start superman legacy it's not an origin movie he's already superman what do we get do we get clark first do we get cow do we get sabotage <laughs> Lois Lane. I don't know. Yeah. It's awesome. Nanny, nanny, nanny. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Superman Legacy gonna have some competition. Looks like seems as such. Uh, David Lech has been brought on to direct Jurassic World, the new Jurassic World, the one that we announced a couple weeks ago, where they are kind of rebooting the Jurassic World franchise. They're bringing back the original writer uh, from Jurassic Park, um, 1994. David Lech, a name that I knew but didn't really know who it was. Listen to this rundown. Bullet Train, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw, the first John Wick, and the upcoming Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling. It sounds like Jurassic World's going to get some action scenes. You know what I mean? I feel like we're going to get a little bit more kinetic energy with Jurassic World with David Lech. It's also supposed to come out July 2025, which means Jurassic World, Superman Legacy, and another project. Is it Inside Out? Um, so it's Thunderbolts. Thund- um, Whoa. Inside Out this year. <laughs> right. Thunderbolts. Big. So MCU, DCU, and the Jurassic Universe for the first time ever. This was I, I read the tweet. For the first time ever, we'll all have a project released in the same month. Yeah. David. Do all three stay in July of 2025? I do not believe so. And I, you know what I think might move is Superman Legacy. Because yeah. Superman Legacy is the one that is being the most planned out and probably the most ahead of schedule, quote unquote. Like Jurassic World opening a week before Legacy is crazy to me. They don't have a cast. They don't really have a director. I mean, he's in, he's in talks and he's probably going to sign on at this point if the trades are reporting it. But Legacy begins filming next month. Thunderbolts is going to be begin filming at a similar date, but I think the MCU and Marvel, I think they stick to that date as long as they hit their um, release schedules and they don't do too many reshoots. I think Legacy is going to be kind of in the can for months before July 11th, so I could see that moving up. Um, I was speaking to someone, not speaking, but replying back and forth on Twitter. Uh, I think it was Scott Mendelson who covers mm-hmm. the box office. Um, yeah. I forget what platform he's on now or what... Um, company anyway he used to be for forbes i'm not sure where he's at now maybe the rap anyway um he mentioned how that 2025 early june slot is available like and that could be a potential spot for legacy and i I could see that happening i could totally see legacy moving because if you are superman legacy if you are warner brothers discovery and this is like i mean this is such a massive huge implications movie for you you don't want it to be surrounded you don't want it to run you don't want to feel like it's getting boxed in by these other giant, I mean, literally huge I mean, other yeah. movies. Um, so, yeah, I think if anything, Superman Legacy is going to move up. 
Um, but it was a very bold statement by Universal being like, boom, Jurassic World 4 right there, right at the beginning mm-hmm. of July. Um, and it's going to do great. I do have a prediction for this movie, by the way, Matt. I have an unfortunate prediction. We've been talking a lot about him. We love this actor. We think oh, no. his next step is going to be oh, DC no. or Marvel or some big franchise we all know and love. You're going to take my Glenn Powell. Damn Glenn Powell is coming for it. Damn it. Universal is going to be, you know, <laughs> get Glenn Powell meeting, throw him some stacks of cash. And now Glenn Powell is Mr. Jurassic World. For the next few years, he's going to be at the Universal Land in Orlando and on the roller coasters and on the posters. And there's Glenn Powell smiling, happy as can be, riding a dinosaur or whatever the hell you do and training them or whatever the story's going to be. Glenn Powell's going to be in this movie and he's not going to be in DC and he's not going to be in Marvel. And it is what it is. I mean, you say that Chris Pratt did both. <laughs> That's true. That's it's, true. But Chris uh... Pratt does everything. Yeah, and this is what made Chris Pratt a superstar. Like, you know, Guardians was Guardians, but like this is what made Chris Pratt a like billionaire superstar. Um Yeah. That's good. You're point. right. You you're absolutely right. The, you know what weirdly I thought of when you said that? In a dream world, they could combine you know how they're doing uh Transformers and Cobra Kai? Uh not Cobra Kai. Uh G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, you know how they're finally bringing that together? Um Jurassic War- Jurassic Park and uh Indiana Jones would be perfect. It would be perfect. It would be, be the cool. perfect merge. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that when you said Glenn Powell, but I, I had him in a fedora and a whip. A whip. Um, I think that Jurassic Park is the Chicago Bears of movies because the first one was so good. Arguably the greatest movie ever made. You could argue that they haven't made a good one since. And right. they still have the balls to drop it a week before Superman Legacy just because it has Jurassic on it and just because it has the theme and just because it has the logo, um, just like the 85 Bears. That was such a great Super Bowl team that Bears fans still hold on to that to this day. Yeah. Almost 30, not almost 30 years later, Jurassic Park may have never made another good movie, but that first one was so good. We're going to keep getting these for the rest of our lives. Almost 40 <laughs> um, years later. No, I that to me, that's like the uh, what is it? 70 whatever dolphins. Um, and yeah. 72 being, dolphins being from Florida, that is that yeah. is classic. No. Just oh, being from Florida during the Patriots run, I, I'm sure you heard a <laughs> yeah. lot of they'll never be the 72 dolphins. Oh, yeah, of course, exactly. Especially like you know, 07 happened, right. um, which I was, I was all, sure. I was all about, loved it. Um, but no, Indianapolis, totally. Indiana, baby. I mean, guys, my age, born in late 90s, early 2000s, no one else is going undefeated. It's like, dude. Mm-hmm. That you you don't know. Name me one player on that team. <laughs> Name yeah. me two players on that team. <laughs> Zonka, Mercury, Morris. Yeah, there you go. I love that team. I love that team. Um, that is it as far as we have news. I did write down Fast Car. Did you watch Fast Car? No. At the Grammys, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs performed Fast Car. Apparently, Tracy Chapman hasn't performed in years, so like it was amazing. Oh, I mean, okay. It's one of the greatest songs ever made. Um, so seeing Tracy Chapman do it, seeing how excited she was to have Luke Combs up there, seeing how nervous Luke Combs was with Tracy. It was if you haven't watched Fast Car from the Grammys, definitely do it. It's amazing. And I also just want to shout out the way Stephen A. Smith said Ratatouille. Ratatouille. I love that. That's so good. Ratatouille. <laughs> Iconic. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been everything you need to know about the universes you love. Let's get into Argyle. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is your review for Argyle in your starting lineup. Bryce Dallas Howard as Ellie Conway, Sam Rockwell as Aiden Wilde, Henry Cavill as Argyle, John Cena as Wyatt, Brian Cranston as Director Ritter, Catherine O'Hara as Ruth, Samuel L. Jackson as Alfie, Richard E. Grant as Director Fowl, Dua Lipa as LaRange, Ariana DeBose as Kira, and Rob Delaney as Deputy Director Powell. Holy shit, David, what a cast. Directed by Matthew Vaughn and written by Jason Funks. Uh, Funks? Funks? Uh, he wrote Wonder Woman and It Chapter 2. Interesting. Those are two movies that we care about, right? Yeah. Um, what a cast. Oh, my God. Like, so many names. Ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen, David Thompson. I want to hear it. Your spoiler-free overall thoughts for Argyle. I had a fun time with this movie. Look, it's nothing spectacular i you know no offense the writing is not amazing um the execution i would even argue isn't that great the runtime's a little bit long it gets lost in itself it gets lost in the execution i think it doesn't really know where to go and what direction to lead but you just named the cast um sam rockwell is awesome in this movie i had so much fun watching him perform in this really really interesting role and conceptually, I liked Argyle a lot. It's just the execution isn't all there. But mm-hmm. I am totally not as anti-Argyle as many people are. I think I would be more um, prone to recommend going to see it in the theater if it was a little shorter. Sure. Um, there's a certain point in the movie I'm like, I'm totally going to want to go see this again. And then an hour and a half went by. <laughs> and the movie keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, ah, you know, maybe not. So... That being said, I had a really fun time watching it, but could I recommend it? Not entirely, unless you really like these types of movies or you love one of the a million stars that's in the film. And that is a perfect transition into my overall thoughts. Look, this movie is not great by any means. Everything you said is dead on. It goes too long. It gets lost in its own plot. I think the plot is actually really cool. I think the concept is awesome. It just doesn't really know what to do with it once it happens. It's it's honestly the handoff of the millions of twists in this movie, but the handoff of the big twist into the rest of the movie just wasn't well done. Third act. If you don't have a third act, you're doing first act kind of thing. Yeah. But this is a big we stand this person in this house type of thing. We stand Bryce Dallas Howard on this podcast. We stand Sam Rockwell, Henry Cavill, John Cena, Brian Cranston, Sam Jackson, Catherine O'Hara. Like these are all people where I will never not watch something they're in. Every single person I just named. I will watch everything they're in. Um, and you know, you throw in Dua Lipa, who was actually really great in this movie, and and you know, you just get Matthew Vaughn, who is you know, we'll talk about him later. Like, he's this movie is what it is at the end of the day. I think it's a really fun time, it's stupid, but in and it knows it's stupid kind of yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I think it's like I said, it's a really interesting movie in here that just goes too long, which affects how interesting it is. Um, but yeah, I, I I I would never recommend somebody to spend their money on this and go see it in theaters. I don't think. Um, I do want to mention one thing. If you haven't seen the film, the marketing mm, leads you astray a little bit. I would say, like Henry Cavill is not a main character in this movie, um, right. and he is front and center on the poster. He, in many ways, is shown more than 
Bryce Dallas Howard in the Who is the main character of this movie? Who is the main character? Um, Sam Rockwell, like you might know he's in the movie. You might not. I think some people, um, because everyone, like if you read articles online, you know, maybe it's Matthew Bond's Argyle. Others, Henry Cavill's Argyle. Like he's the leading actor and he's not. So I think that level of like marketing kind of dishonesty in a way of like what the actual movie's about i think doesn't help a film like this because walking out you're not like wow henry cavill was so great what what an awesome role for him henry cavill's fine in this movie <laughs> you know he's just kind of there so i think that hurts the film a little bit as well having having already seen it because it almost felt like they were shying away from what the film was was really about or who was actually the leading stars in it i do think though like that that is kind of the movie though is like the game of it like the yeah like this spy. fictional agent isn't what real agents are like but also it's a lot what real agents are like and i i think if the marketing leaned more into the mystery of it like everything is it as it seems i think could have been a different tone to the marketing where it's like it's putting henry cavill on the front of everything but like with the tone of like, there's a mystery here and the mystery ends up being Agent Argyle isn't really Henry Cavill kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, yeah, I, I would very much recommend people watch this at home every day of the week. You know what I mean? Like I, this is a big time watching on streaming movie. I'm going to recommend this to everybody once they can watch it on a streaming device. You know what yeah. I mean? So and, and it will, that, there's a little bit of Matthew Vaughn-ness to that as well. And it'll also, so this is a Apple production distributed um, in line with Universal, which uh, it's interesting. Apple, Apple's choices are confounding to me when it comes to (laughs) um, putting movies in theaters. Argyle. (laughs) Yeah. Or like they had like ghosted and that was like direct to streaming. They they have a lot of direct to streaming movies. This wasn't one of them. And now it's flopping like. Apple has so much money and their their like film studio is just a side gig they do, but I wouldn't say it's going awesome so far. Like this was a weird one, um, other weird decisions. So it's just interesting. But you know, all that to say it will eventually be streaming on Apple TV Plus, so that's where you can find it. One of my more viral tweets, I guess, is uh me criticizing film Twitter for uh wanting more original content and more killers of the flower moon um in our lives but obviously not a great box office performance for killers of the flower moon um so my criticism was you know everybody says they want this but really no one shows up so like do do we as a general populace really want it everybody was very loud about how it was an apple thing and the box office doesn't matter because they made it for streaming this at the other Interesting yeah. that it carried that same energy over into Argyle. <laughs> you know, it's a it's an interesting th- point that was not brought to this movie as well. Um, with yeah. a very large budget, the yeah, very large budget, <laughs> two hundred million dollar budget, and that thing. I mean, look at the cast. High, Fuck, big budget movies, and I mean, look at the cast of Killers of Flower Moon and what they did in Killers of Flower Moon. That's three hundred million dollars, but that that is also Martin Scorsese. That right. is an Oscar play. Um, it, it's in, it, that exactly that. It's so interesting to me, kind of what they do and do not sign up for the business of that. Very star driven, I would say Apple is Mm -hmm. Apple always, always these movies they have have like Mark Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio, fucking Chris Evans, Sam Jackson, like, like (laughs) yeah, Sam Jackson just randomly in this movie, like Dua Lipa in like all the marketing and stuff. Dua Lipa is in one scene, by the way. 
Um, so good. Great, but it's like she's great. in one scene. It's not like Dua right. Lipa starring in Argyle. That I, th- I genuinely think, um, like if I took my wife to go see this movie and she saw the trailer, she'd be like, what the hell? Like, this is not what I saw on TV. Um, Dune part one. <laughs> Dune part one. Kind of like Dune part one. Um, oh, I can't wait for Dune part two, by I the way. I can't wait to rewatch Dune part one. <laughs> I saw it last week. Oh my, or two weeks ago now. Oh my God. It's so, so good. good. It's so such good. a good movie. I can't anyway. wait. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is your starting lineup. That was overall thoughts. Let's get into spoilers. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. All right, David, here we go. Your biggest winner for Matthew Vaughn's Aria. Oh, not even close. Not even a discussion. It's Rockwell, baby. It's Sam Rockwell. He's back. He's so great in this movie. Quick spoilers for the film, right? We're in spoiler territory now. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Little throwback there. All three of you are listening that saw the movie or just don't care about spoilers. Um, <laughs> so Sam Rockwell is like good and bad and then good and bad. He does it so well. And yeah. the fact that he's introduced in this awesome train sequence where he's flipping back and forth between Henry Cavill. Best scene of the movie. I'm saying it right now. Best yeah. action sequence. Best scene. It was just mm-hmm. so cool. And they actually um, they had Rockwell and Cavill in a uh, interview together. I think Brandon Fun. Davis might have been been asking the questions. Um, comic book. I, I don't remember, but they Shout were they were discussing that scene and like doing it back and forth. And they'd watch each other like they were on set with each other, like watching each other do the moves and stuff. And it was just so cool. I think Sam Rockwell brings so much to this movie. I think in many ways he's the heart and the soul of it because I get more um, encapsulated and interested in almost who he is. More than Bryce Dallas Howard's character, who I'm right. supposed to be, you know, curious about. And she's the big, you know, uh, secret and has all this these layers behind her. But I just think Sam Rockwell wins the movie. Uh, I tweeted out like Sam Rockwell's a superstar after seeing it. That's my only comment, thought, review of it. Because if it wasn't for him, this movie would be a lot worse, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if his character as Aiden was played by someone else who's less charismatic. Henry Cavill. Honestly, if 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 it was swapped, yeah, this is a Sam Rockwell role. Exactly, like it would just it wouldn't work. Um, and I think Henry Cavill is well cast in the movie because great looking guy, you know, difference, yeah, looks the part. Um, does the whole thing, and and I think plays it really well. Um, is really funny. (laughs) I think hair is bad. (laughs) Oh, the hair is so bad. Um, So bad. (laughs) But I love it. I love like how him and John Cena are these like um. Almost like video game characters. I think Miami it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, who's your yeah. big winner? I guess besides Rockwell. Unless I you do, want to go on Rockwell. I do want to talk on. He's not my biggest winner, but I do okay. want to talk on Rockwell. I think you, you said you care about him more than BDH uh, Ellie in this. Ellie. I agree, but I don't think it's Rockwell over Ellie. I think Rockwell is like a great Hall of Fame receiver in this movie that makes BDH so great as well. I think they are very complementary to each other because. Yeah. You know, Bryce Dallas Howard gets the big twist. She gets the big reveal. She's Agent Argyle. Like, I didn't see that coming. Like, I know people said it was predictable. I didn't quite see that specifically happening. And I think Rockwell did a good job distracting me a little bit from maybe what could have clued me in on BDH being the actual agent here. You know what I mean? So Rockwell, I think, was fantastic. They let him dance. They let everybody in this movie dance. And 
Rockwell hadn't danced yet. And I'm like, we got to watch Henry Cavill move his feet for two seconds, but we're not going to watch Rockwell dance. And they let him dance. And I was so happy about it because he's one of the best dancing actors we have. It's him. It's Hiddleston. It's uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's Gosling, you know, with the fucking thing. Um, <laughs> Gosling's. Yeah, you got to shout out Gosling. Dude, that dude's that, been dance, dancing since day one. That Remember fucking, the Titans? Yeah, that bit from Barbie when he does the the lawnmower yeah. rolling into the when frame. He's tr- when he's trying to get into the, like, talk to Barbie. This thing, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> it, he is easily one of the top five funniest actors we have right now. Yeah, like, thank God. Thank God he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and Margot Robbie wasn't nominated and Greg Gerwig wasn't nominated. No, awful. That's not the stance <laughs> we're taking, David. I take, I, I refuse. I, I mean, <laughs> being sarcastic. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Rock, Rockwell was great. I think he bolstered up BDH in a big way. Who BDH is I fantastic. I think she's a better director than she is an actress, but I do think she's very good in this movie. And um, I love I'm her in The Help. She's very good in The Help. I'm a, I mean, I love her in Spider-Man 3, personally. But, you know, I'm just a Spider-Man guy, David. I know you can't you know relate. My biggest winner is Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn, um, I think he's got a short list of movies he's made, and I've officially seen all of them. You know what I mean? I, I uh, The Daniel Craig one, like his first one, I haven't seen since it came out, so I don't remember it very much. I don't remember the title of it, honestly. But after this movie, the first thing I did, David, was go back and I watched Kick-Ass for the very first time. I'd never seen Kick-Ass. And... I wanted because after this movie, I thought to myself, I will watch anything Matthew Vaughn makes for the rest of time because this wasn't great, but I still really enjoyed it for the Matthew Vaughn-ness of it. The wild, crazy fucking action scenes, the crazy characters and twist and the ensemble of it all. It's much closer to Kingsman 2 than it is Kingsman 1. And I think Kingsman 2 is a major step down from Kingsman 1. This is a lot closer to that as far as the silliness of it all. Yeah. But like Matthew Vaughn has officially entered into my type of director where I will watch anything he makes for from here on out because he makes popcorn. He makes popcorn ass movies. And obviously, X-Men First Class, I think it's his best movie in a landslide. Um, and it's and that is not necessarily just straight popcorn movie. But everything else he does, Kick-Ass, which I watched for the first time and loved, really good movie. Aaron Taylor Johnson needs to be doing way more than he currently is. I know he's about to be a superhero, but whatever. Um, Kick-Ass, Kingsman, uh, uh, what he did here. And, and I just I, I want Matthew Vaughn's stuff around me at all times. And this movie really solidified that because I don't think I don't think this is a great movie, but I really enjoyed it because of everything Vaughn brings to the table. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree with like. You're right. The Matthew Vaughn isms of it. I just don't know if this I can't I can't sit here and say the movie is like well directed. I guess the writing has something to do with it. Um, he's the he's the problem and the solution. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I feel like in many ways the, the it is the stars that bolster up the film. And we just sat here and talked about Sam Rockwell for 10 minutes. And like he gives one of the best performances. But there's other really good performances in yeah. this as well. I I really love Brian Cranston in this movie. He's very I thought funny. he was awesome. Him and Catherine O'Hara were two of the Perfect. best parts of the entire film. Like when that twist happens, twist number like three, three. of 17. Um, God, the Catherine O'Hara one was the one that got me. That was awesome. <laughs> Which And she's talking in an English accent. I'm like, oh, Lomo. <laughs> by the way, I'm in this big screen. Well, I saw this movie in a packed theater because it was a presser slash fan screen. Fan thing. Yeah. So 
Um, I'm sitting next to these two women who are having the times of their life. They are like just loving it. They're talking during the movie, which I was like, whatever. Um, I was getting over, but they were just like giggling and laughing the whole time. And it kind of helped my experience for sure. And I remember being like at the very end, big time spoilers at the very end when it's Cavill in the, in the wig and he's sitting in the back. First off, that was awesome. I go, Oh my God, it's Cavill. And then like it pops up and she's like, Oh, you nailed like punches me in the arm. Like, Oh, you got it. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't say I loved the movie, but I did love how silly it got with the million twists. Like, yeah. I literally was sitting there just like, how many twists could you possibly have? Because quite frankly, who is Argyle being Bryce Dallas Howard wasn't even that interesting. It was, how did she get there? Who was she working for? Who's good? Who's bad? Who's actually the the mustache twirling villain at the end of the day of this whole thing? I like the device of like, I agree that the twist really wasn't that interesting, but I do like the device of the bad guys. She, the bad guys using this amnesia thing to get information from her in, in an organic kind of way. Like, like, right. Cause going into this movie, I thought it was like this prophecy thing. Like she writes it down. It happens. And I thought that's what it was, but no, it's history. It's, they're trying to get secrets from her and things like that. I it's think a really that, cool concept. I'm not going to lie. But like we said, once it happens, it just falls off the cliff. It really <laughs> reminded me, and I think there actually is a shitty movie. It reminded me of um, the game of Clue, like the board game. Oh, yeah. Where you're kind of like th- figuring Clue's it out. A good step movie. By step. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. It's a throwback. Um, who plays Pennywise? Uh, the original Pennywise. Oh, he's in the movie. He's in Clue. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, the guy from Home Alone 2. Yeah, he is Clue. He's the face yeah. of it. Oh. I'm going to look him up right now. Okay, yeah, interesting. Continue. Well, I just think that the movie overall, it has all these twists. It has all these turns, but Curry, who is it? Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry. God, I hated him. Home Alone 2. He still creeps me out. He's he's all time villain. He's great, though. He's so great. But uh, on Matthew Vaughn, it's because I've seen him peak. I've seen First Class, which is like truly great. Like one of the best X-Men movies ever made. Can't rewatch Um, it. Huh? Can't wait to rewatch it. It's going to be amazing. That's so exciting. I've seen the first Kingsman, which is like a really amazing action movie. And I've just watched Kick-Ass, which is awesome. I've seen him peak. Him having fun with these silly things. I think I, I'm willing to forgive these bad movies because I we know he can do it. We've seen him get there. It's like a quarterback who's like one in the past. And, you know, he has up and down games now. But, you know, what if he's on? You know, like I don't know, a yeah. big Matthew Vaughn guy. Uh, Joe Flacco. Sure. Sure, I'll I'll put Joe Flacco on that pod. Why not? You know, best <laughs> deep ball passer in the game. <laughs> um, Huge contract, made a lot of money. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn's never going to not make money after after Kick Ass and Kingsman. He's never going to not make money. <laughs> like, he's got to stick to Apple, man. Apple's the way. He's got a cult. He's got a cult following, and those guys just get thrown money. Um, especially after Barbenheimer. Fuck, biggest losers, David. Who's your biggest loser coming out of Argyle? Damn, I don't know. There. Third act, maybe? Yeah, third act, execution. Um, I would honestly the, the the thing that I hated the most, maybe hate strong word, didn't like the most after watching the movie was the runtime. I think yeah. if you were I think if you forced Matthew Vaughn to make this a one hour and fifty-five minute film, it is improved through and through i think it gets it gets lost in all the twists and turns everyone in the theater gets lost in all twists and turns and when you twist and turn too much 
it's not that interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hurt. It hit a certain point with that when Absolutely. when we're going back and forth and we're getting the the shot in the perfect spot of the the heart or whatever. That's where it's like, oh my god! Like we have like, James Bond movie. <laughs> all these like crazy miraculous things constantly happening, it, and especially when they all miraculously happen in a forty five minute window at the end of the film. When it's somewhat grounded at the beginning, where it's like, right. like you were saying, it's like, what is happening? Is this a prophecy kind of a thing? Like, how is this working? You know, we're, we're actually like peeling back the layers. Um, it just loses itself. And I think the runtime really, really has to do with that. It's it's way too long and it gets lost in that. JV knives out. This is a watered down poor man's knives out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a poor man's a lot of things. Um, For, it, very well said. Very well said. But when it comes to the plot, the twists, the turns, like like you just mentioned, going back so far into the movie, that's what we love about Knives Out. How, you know, it's the third act and we're still going back to the original incident. Yeah. This one lost the thread two or three scenes ago. You it's know a what I mean? Poor man's Winter Soldier at the end. I like Winter Soldier. It's a good movie. Yep. Excellent film. But, you know, hot take. Winter Soldier. Good movie. <laughs> Good movie. Actual hot take. Not the best Captain America movie. Um, my biggest loser is along that same lines. Uh, and I just talked about how I, much I love Matthew Vaughn and how I will always watch anything he makes. The Matthew Vaughn scene. You know, we show up to these movies for the Matthew Vaughn scene, right? It's the church in the first Kingsman and kick ass. It's the hallway fight with uh, Chloe. Martinez Gratz, whatever her name is. She's fantastic. In that movie, yeah, dude. so good. Um, and all that stuff, the oil scene here, the ice skating oil scene, so dumb. Oh, Did not that like was terrible. Bit. And and this comes down to the CGI thing. I'm usually CGI so bad. I'm usually willing to forgive CGI, but when you have someone skating and going on her knees and going on her back and like falling in this oil, and she stands up and she's perfectly clean, oh, it, it takes so you noticeable. out of it in such a horrible way. Yeah, just bad. And then, then they have the fucking balls at the after the scene to give her a couple oil stains like on her face. No, she should be covered. And yeah. and it would have and it would have it would have made that scene substantially better if she walked out of it literally like Carrie covered in oil. Like, like her not for whatever reason ruined the movie for me. Like her her when she went on her knees and stood up with nothing. That was we, yeah. What are we doing? That like, don't, was don't put her on her knees. Just don't put her on her knees. That was terrible. I think it's crazy we've gone this far without mentioning the CGI. It's bad throughout. I mean, like, there's some parts that look fine, but there's there are a plethora that look really, really bad. Um, And it's crazy with the, like, budget. It's like, where did some of this go? Obviously, the talent is a big part of the budget for sure. But, I mean, the CGI (laughs) really looks bad. And that's something where it looks like a streaming movie, I would say. Where it's like, all right, we... We couldn't really like it's the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's like the consi- the, the continuity of CGI yeah. is lost. They mm-hmm. they just are like fuck it. Like it's it's like 1997, whatever the, the the oil, the explosions, like people's hair, people's faces. Like I feel like so much of it is just not thought through enough, and that like you mentioned, it takes you out of the movie, it takes mm-hmm. away from the movie, and it, it makes you sit there and think like. This movie wasn't really like there wasn't a lot of a lot of tender love and care in the editing process because they just kind of threw it all together and they just did all these crazy long scenes, a lot of music, 
trying to entertain you in kind of cheap ways, in my opinion, um, that just didn't ultimately work out. You said it better than I could have. The lack of TLC in the editing process. That was very well said. Um, in a movie that needed a lot of immersion, it lacked a lot of immersion, especially near in the third act. And uh, yeah, that was my biggest loser. Going in top plays, then in it, then in it. We covered a lot of them, but the smoke bomb escape scene was pretty fucking cool. Really like that. Yeah. Really. And the colors kept coming, David. You know what I mean? Like we thought it was just going to be two colors. No, no, no. We got like seven different colors of smoke bombs at the end of that thing. Big fan of that scene. And we talked, the train fight was great. The dancing scenes were great. Um, and then I enjoyed the R. Kyle twist. I, I did not see that coming. Like I said, it falls off a cliff afterwards, but that is not what I anticipated that movie being. So I I, I thought we were going to get one more big name. You know, when that scene was happening, I thought it was going to be one more face that we recognized. Um, but no, it was just BDH again, which never not... Cool. To- I'm with you on that. I enjoyed the replay of history through a different lens where we uh-huh. go back and we see them, you know, brainwashing her. Um, we see like how it was working from behind the scenes from a different lens. I enjoyed that. One top play was the opening with Henry Cavill, with John Cena, with yeah. Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. I was so into the movie. I mean, really even then, the CGI is shaky at best um, in that opening, but I enjoyed it. You know, I was having fun with it and I enjoyed like, the concept of she's writing these characters and even just those um those scenes at the beginning of her talking to fans and stuff like that like i kind of bought in very initially yeah. that she is this like well acclaimed author you know when With she's her mom first, and everything yeah yeah and there's some pretty cool payoffs in the movie like when she's uh facetiming her mom and then later we see the like fake exactly. kitchen i very like cool. i like little stuff like that um mm-hmm. the other one was the other top play i had was Samuel Jackson watching the Lakers play. So funny. <laughs> Just sitting. Was was Samuel Jackson there for one or two days, do you think, to film his scenes in this movie? One day. He got the John Candy treatment. <laughs> yeah. He, he I mean, he's I mean, he's a Matthew Vaughn guy. Like he is he is his guy. Like Kingsman and all of those things. I forgot he was in it. And then he pops up I'm like, oh yeah. my God, no way. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> um, um about the CGI. I think I think. To your point, I think that's where it really gets lost is that when it's the fake Argyle, when it's Cavill and Cena and the CGI is a little shaky, it makes sense because that's a fictional world and we're seeing fictional things happen, right? And I, I feel like a little less than optimal CGI works there. It, it it adds to the fiction of it all. Then we get the train fight, which is a very practical hand-to-hand combat scene, even though we're switching back and forth between Rockwell and Cavill, it's still a very winter soldiery type scene where... Like the choreography on that train scene is fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. It's when we get back to the oil scene where it's again, that fictional type CGI choreography there. I thought we were out of that world. I thought we were back into the, and it just, you lose it. You lose the threat of like, what's real, what's fake, which is, um, you know, unfortunate for that situation. That's what this movie is. What's real, what's not. How did you like the twist and stomp sequence? Horrible. I don't get it. I don't understand. She wanted he wanted her to crush heads. Is that is that what he was asking? Yeah. So weird. Like, like, remember the twist? Yeah. (laughs) Spider-Man 3. I didn't think he actually wanted her to crush a hallway of people's skulls. Like what? Yeah. Why? (laughs) I I do wish in a way there was more hints that he's in love with her. I thought the romance of it was a little weird. Um, I like the of, payoff, no buildup, though. 
Yeah, like it was interesting, like seeing it play out and like who's on what side. And then it gets way too twisty with like, is Bryce Dallas Howard's character good or bad? That loses it. And, it, and I never believe she's bad. <laughs> Forgot about that. I never believe she's bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, no. And I, I also never believe Sam Rockwell's character is bad because it's so it's so blatant when like that. I think that's the worst written part of the movie is when he's in the bathroom. It's like, I want to put a bullet bullet in Ellie Conway. Ellie Conway's head. In her head, yeah. No, man, that's not like that. Even if he, I know like that, the point is that like the twist was that he didn't mean it literally. Mm-hmm. If he didn't mean it literally, he still wouldn't say it right then. Right. You know, like, and because I thought him saying that I, I figured later in the movie, it was going to be revealed. He meant to scare her away, but that wasn't the case. No. And I'm like, that's just really bad writing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there was the managerial candidate part where like Ellie was turned back on, which, you know, that's, it's a hypnosis movie. Yeah, sure. It's cool. But like, yeah, it, it, again, three or four too many tricks there at the end. Tough. Especially with Debosi coming back. Could not give a fuck less about that character. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't love the movie, but we really liked it. We had fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun about the box office, David. How many people saw this thing? Oh man, it performed so terribly. Um, it op- it was the number one movie of the weekend, yay, against yay. no competition. Um, but it opened to 17 million, I think ultimately was the number, which is really, really bad. Um, and I think it's gonna I think the problem is too with this one, it's getting really bad reviews. Um, word of mouth is pretty bad. Even me, even me or you would not tell someone to go to a theater to see the movie. Um, and that's going to be the problem. I think this is going to be one where it'll be swiftly uh, booted out of theaters and probably put on Apple TV Plus earlier than they wanted it to be. Um, but you talked once again, the Killers of Flower Moon effect. It is one of those things where it's like, well, it's Apple, whatever. You know, it is one right. of those things where. Um, Which is they, dumb. Yeah, it is. It is dumb. Um, but it's it's definitely not going to be a successful movie. There's not going to be a second one of these. Um, and. No, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a second one of these. I, I guarantee it. Unless it's straight to streaming, and even then, I, I highly doubt it. Well, that does bring us into our post credit scene, though. Yes, it's, correct. Because it's revealed at the end of the movie that Agent Argyle, the, the physical form of Agent Argyle, uh, that being Henry Cavill, does exist. So we flash back to the 90s? 70s? I forget. No um, idea, right? Yeah. Couldn't care less, really. <laughs> to, uh, Doesn't London. matter. London, England, London town, where the young Agent Argyle shows up to a bar and orders a drink that triggers yeah. the response of a Kingsman. And the bar is the King's man. Mm-hmm. It ties into the Kingsman universe somehow. I'm in. I'm here. Let's do it. Let's go. More Matthew Vaughn. I don't um, know. I, I, you know, I saw the post <laughs> I By the way, I was in the tunnel when it started yeah. playing and I like jogged Classic. back. Um, so I'm like, Black no way this movie is a post credit scene. Anyway. It does. <laughs> it does. And I do not think we're ever going to see what happens with that because this movie is performing poorly. I don't think there's an audience really for it. And I don't think there's any interest in find in, in a prequel to this movie or, or, you know, another Kingsman prequel. We've already done this before. That'd be a fun list. Uh, Post credit scenes we watched in the tunnel. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. didn't see it coming. Mine was Yoshi. I, oh, yeah. For whatever reason, walked out. And came back to Yoshi, which is that, great. That was late though. That was like the second post credit. Or yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, post post credit. Yeah, right. Um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Argyle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, next week, we will have everything you need to know about the universes you love, and it will probably just be that for the episode because we'll be breaking down every major trailer that drops during the Super Bowl. A lot of Deadpool 3 talk uh, to come, plus everything else we get. We didn't even get in the series. We might get release dates for House of the Dragon. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. You know, a lot of stuff. So next week will be our Super Bowl reaction episode. So get ready for that. It won't all be football, but it's going to be a lot of football. We're going to talk Usher. We're going to talk uh, trailers and we're going to talk about the game. I got to say, by the way, last year we did this. One of my favorite episodes of the year is sure. the is the Monday after the Super Bowl because there's just so much to talk about and it's all very topical and fresh and everyone's yeah. buzzing and, you know, football season just over. But there's something where like we have a winner and we have all these different trailers and and I think some absences will be interesting as well because there is sure. a there is a world where we're let down, you know, we don't get as right. much as we we want. Right. It's going to be exciting. It's a post comic con type feel a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Or a, a post DC fandom, of course. You know, the legendary fandom. Bring it back. No. Come on, James. <laughs> no, they did it two years in a row. Remember? Remember? Remember when they did it two years in a row and showed all the same shit? Yeah. That was COVID, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. <laughs> the Rock is the most hated man in sports entertainment right now, so I don't really know what to feel. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Direct Podcast. Until then, see you next time.